welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz. I am your host, Danny Katz. I am an author, journalist, and a quantum languaging coach and consultant. What that means is that I teach people how language programs consciousness, how language programs reality at large, and how to transform reality and evolve our consciousness with language. I've also been known to cultivate and share an opinion or two or 12 about culture and consciousness and how they are evolving, devolving, and being manipulated by the powers that were. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to fostering critical thinking while supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated, realized, amazing version of yourself. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. (laughs) And think. Given the radical uptick in censorship over the past few years, combined with the complete co-opting slash decimation of my own personal industry, journalism, I started Word Up to have a free speech-friendly platform in which to engage exploratory, solutions-based conversations with visionaries, mystics, original thinkers, and rebel badasses who are helping to make the world more wonderful. The first half of my interviews run between 30 to 90 minutes and are always posted here for free public listening. The second halves are reserved for paid supporters on my Patreon and my Locals platforms, where for as little as $5 a month, you can access all of my second half conversations along with oodles of other bonus content and opportunities to drop in with me, to drop in with our High Vibe tribe, and lots of other awesome things. In addition to interviews, Word Up also features quantum languaging upgrades, planetary service announcements, and propaganda analysis, which I call Spot the Propaganda. Thank you so much for tuning in and for sharing your sacred attention with me and our high vibe tribe of change makers. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you can stay abreast of our every episode. Thank you for also clicking the like button, for sharing far and wide, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As well, if you are gleaning any value whatsoever from these shows, consider supporting me on Locals and or Patreon. And as you are wanting to learn more about my quantum languaging coaching and consulting services or nab copies of my books, find me on dannycats.com as well as on quantumlanguaging.com. Okay, I think that's it for our housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Hey, superstars, it is your pal Danny back with another episode of Words Are Matter, my video series wherein I examine the energetic frequencies of language and unpack how they are functioning to program ourselves, our audience, and collective reality at large. Today's Words Are Matter is inspired by 
First and foremost, a podcast I was watching with Vivek Ramaswamy. I pray I'm um, pronouncing his name right. What an amazing, bright, sparkly, intelligent man who is running for president. And this was an interview that he did with Brett Weinstein, who I've talked about many times on his Dark Horse podcast. And something that really struck me about Vivek was his idea that we stop using the phrases left and right. And I mean, I was like yelling at my computer computer screen, like preach brother, yes. And I'm, I'm encouraging us to take it a step farther to slip out of the framing of, I mean, hopefully all polarity constructs, but this phase of our evolution, all political polarities. So that means not just left, right, liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat, right? Anything that is an us, them, either, or. I talk about this quite a lot in my various webinars, workshops, courses, and in my upcoming book, The Language of Betterarchy. Polarities program the mind for separation, right? It's very cut or dry. Look at, look at my background, black, white, there's no gray area in between, right? So if we're, you know, if I am speaking about someone derisively and I keep referencing them, you know, these those people on the left, right? Then I am inferring the superiority of the right, right? I am com completely keeping us within the cage of hierarchy. I am sustaining and empowering the outdated organizational structure that is hierarchy and continuing to pit my human family against one another with these arbitrary and fictional distinctions. Because let's face it, no one on planet Earth is a Republican. No one on planet Earth is going to die, be dug up, tens of thousands of years later and have a team of archaeologists say, oh, look, we've discovered a Republican. That's not going to happen. Republican is an abstraction, an ideological abstraction that has been conflated with identity constructs to our um, detriment. Like, I really don't see anything positive coming out of these ideological identifiers, right? So no one is a Republican or a Democrat. No one is left or right. We are all human beings who have historically voted Republican, who find ourselves allied with Republican ideals or with Democratic ideals, right? We might have preferences, allegiances, allegiances, tendencies, historical voting patterns, but when it really comes down to it, no one is a liberal, no one is a conservative, no one is a Democrat, no one is a Republican. We are all human beings. Um, and our preferences, belief structures and whatnot might have us uh, choosing to vote in specific patterns, but we are not those things. And let me pause because I said I turned my phone off. Okay. So I love this idea, and this is something that I personally have been lobbying for for quite a long time. So I'm really supporting Vivek in this and inviting us to expand that out so it's not just left-right, but it's all of the other polarities that come along with them. And here is the thing. Language programs how we perceive, organize, and make meaning of our experience of reality, right? So when we cease to speak, in these diametrically opposed polarities that only function to exacerbate the illusion of separation among our human family, 
We are entraining our brains to see in separation, to make meaning by way of separation. I often refer to it as like these goggles, right? Polarity goggles. So when I put on my super cute Caddis readers, <laughs> which you can purchase by clicking through my Instagram uh, profile link or find it on partnerships on my website because they are really freaking cute. But let's pretend that these are my um, polarity goggles, right? So I put on my polarity goggles, meaning I am constantly speaking in terms of left-right distinctions. That's how I'm organizing reality, left-right, conservative, Republican. Everything I see, which is really neutral, objective reality, is going to be distorted through what are now my polarity goggles. So I'm going to see everything in terms of left, right, right? So say, you know, my Pilates instructor uh, allies herself with a different political party when, you know, I'm going to be looking at her if I'm hung up, if I'm identified, right? And that's the key. If we were mature enough to hold these distinctions loosely without attaching or identifying, um, we might not might we might not need to be so stringent in removing these from our larger discourse. We are not there yet, right? Um, the past decade, who knows? I mean, I don't I don't mean to limit us. I have just really seen um, the political polarity conversation go really really cuckoo in the past ten years. Um, and you know, my, my experience is limited. So it's probably been cuckoo from the get-go. George Washington, our first, very first president was himself averse to political parties and saw them as being extremely detrimental to the political process. So if I am identified with political identities and someone, okay, going back to my Pilates teacher identifies with a, um, supposedly oppositional political party, now everything she does is going to be framed through this polarizing, otherizing separation perspective that these words create these goggles through which I perceive reality, right? So if she's late for a session, it's like, oh, you know, liberals are so rude. Liberals are so casual with their time, right? Like, I know it's a silly um, example, but keep in mind, language programs our brain. It programs how we see and make meaning of reality. And I am seeing more and more of this us, them, us, them. You know, you've heard me talk about this a lot when like I'll hear a talking head, talking head make a very sane, rational point, And then they cap it off with like, but those MAGA Republicans or but those crazy leftists. And it's like, OK, well, you've just sullied what was a beautiful idea by, you know, tainting it with this polarizing language and all the bigotry homogenization that goes along with it, right? So I'm really a fan of this idea of removing polarizing language, specifically polarizing political language from the whole political discourse. Just focus on policy, just focus on solutions. Don't focus on perceived opposition of, of other parties or what, what parties in the dunt in the past have done or people aligned with different parties in the past have done like none of that helps us it degrades the conversation it lowers the vibration of the conversation and has until now kept us from moving forward which is why i'm putting it in the past because i am living into a future where we cease to um frame our political conversations with these polarities which brings me to a clip that i am going to share so fair use this is simply um a teaching tool 
Well, I, I agree with you, which brings us to a topic. Uh, I feel it's going to be awkward, but I also uh, detect your, your open. Okay, so we're going to stop right there before we go forward. Brett just said, I fear it's going to be awkward, right? So, you know, that's fair. This is a fear that he's having. He's sharing something. But remember that language programs everyone we're talking to, especially when we're in a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So when I say where I'm about to go could be awkward, I am programming whomever I'm speaking to to armor up, right? To contract, to prepare for something that might be crunchy when that is just Brett's insecurity or Brett's opinion or Brett's fear, right? I don't mean to pick on Brett, but it also functions to program the whole audience around, oh, are we not allowed to have the conversation around the topic I'm about to introduce, right? So something to be mindful of, don't perv our ideas with our own opinions and our own judgments about them before they come out of our mouth. Allow ourselves to speak freely, which allows the people receiving our words to have their own authentic response instead of meandering around the programming we've just um, dropped into their sphere, meaning their subconscious mind, or signing on to the programming that they've just dropped into their subconscious mind. Be mindful of this, not only in our own conversations, but with the talking heads, because this is one of the biggest pieces of propaganda that I've seen, and one of the most erroneous cases of editorialization I'm seeing coming out of the media sphere is telling people what to think. And this is a very, very subtle nuanced way to do it. And I'm not saying that Brett is doing this on purpose, I don't know. And this is something that I wanna take responsibility for because in the past, I've been very hard on Brett for deliberately programming his audience, for deliberately leading his audience down um, pathways of misinformation, disinformation. And in doing that, I have um, alleged to know his intention when I don't. And so I'm taking responsibility for that. Brett, if you're watching, I apologize for that. This is my first global apocalypse in this lifetime. And I'm figuring it out as I go along. And I'm realizing that controlled opposition is incredibly, incredibly nuanced. Not only are a lot of people who are acting as controlled opposition totally clueless and acting out of pure intentions, not realizing that their speech patterns are functioning to program control, enslave, divide, and manipulate their audience, not realizing that those in their sphere who they think are simply colleagues, coworkers, family, um, well-meaning supporters are gently handling them or even not so gently, you know, to say certain things, to not say certain things. So I'm going to remove um, any sort of allegations as though I know Brett's intentions and assume that he is operating from the purest of intentions, but that he, like all of us, including myself, have deleterious speech patterns that until are illuminated are functioning as sabotage technology for ourselves and those we're speaking to. Once we're clued in to how these speech pat patterns are functioning as sabotage, now we are resourced to switch up how we are communicating and communicate in such a way as to enlift, uplift, empower, liberate, honor, equalize, et cetera, et cetera. So let's, let's pick up where Brett was talking um, and let him finish what he was saying, um, which as a reminder, he'd feared 
was going to be awkward. Openness and your flexibility to discuss anything, which I really appreciate. Um, you know, the one thing about you, and it isn't you, but the one thing about you as you arrive uh, in my field of awareness that troubles me is that you're vying for the nomination of the Republican Party. And mind you, this has nothing to do with the Okay. So the reason why I share this is because I find it fascinating that at this point in the conversation, Vivek has said at least once, I know he said it more times in the conversation, but at this point in the conversation with Brett, he has said, I think it's important that we stop using the left-right distinctions and stop framing these conversations in terms of these polarities. I am paraphrasing. Brett immediately, and you know, he likely had this intention to bring this into the conversation before, but he steers the conversation back into political parties and these polarizing constructs. It's a fair question, right? It's a fair line of reasoning, but I'm noticing in this conversation in particular, and if the words that I'm sharing are resonating with you, I would recommend watching this, is to see how Brett cannot escape the political polarity framing in this conversation. And it's a pitch perfect example of how language functions to program the subconscious mind, to program how we frame reality, that Brett, in this conversation, it consistently comes back to this two-party framing, this left-right framing. Um, even, and I think it's interesting because he was the one who had suggested the duopoly, the unity party, right? Um, and the downfall in his efforts is in his languaging, right? And it, I've said this before, and this is what my new book, The Language of Betterarchy is about, is like, we can have the most high-minded, brilliant solutions for all of our human problems. And if we are describing those solutions and sharing those solutions with hierarchical languaging, with languaging that is itself coded with frequencies of separation, opposition, and conflict, then what emerges from that language will always be tainted and distorted with those frequencies of separation, opposition, and conflict. It can't not be because language is the tool, is the material from which these solutions are being created. And so Brett, this is a, a languaging reflection that I'm offering you know, from the purest possible place is to be mindful of how you continue to frame all of these political conversations in left, right, Republican, Democrat framing, which is a distraction that only functions to keep us polarized. What would be far more mm, supportive for this conversation would be to spend more time talking about Vivek's policies. How is he going to implement them? What actions is he going to take, right? What can we, um, connect with in Vivek's plan and vision that gives us faith in him versus keeping us like stuck chasing our tails in the left, right, left, right, left, right fiction. Getting hung up on these left, right distinctions and getting distracted with them, it's keeping us in place chasing our tails instead of moving forward with what are the best ideas, what are the best policies, what are the best action steps that are going to help us to enact these policies. Like that from my perspective is the most important are you know is is the um the um focal point of the most helpful 
political conversations we could be having together right now, not the, uh, it, the like gossipy, low vibing, like left, right thing. All right, so the, um, I got a really big piece of the puzzle for me in this same conversation because for years I've been very triggered by Brett Weinstein and very triggered by what I have judged as his arrogance and this kind of unspoken allegation that he is the end-all be-all authority of the world. And I figured it out in terms of his communication patterns, um, why I'm having this reaction, right? And what he's transmitting through his speech patterns. So hold on, let me take a sip of my favorite beverage. God, that is so good. I mean, if I could get pop and bottle, to sponsor my show, um, we would be an authentic match. So good. I mean, it has lion's mane, maitake, reishi. It's such a high vibe beverage. MCT oil. Anyway, I'm not being paid by Pop and Bottle to show their products, but I would love to be. Okay, so jumping to the next clip. All right, just to set this up, this is a little bit deeper into the conversation with Vivek. And this um, this example isn't specific to Vivek. It's something that I hear from Brett quite a lot. So, you know, we can take it out of the context of that conversation just as kind of like a broad scale overview of authoritarian speech patterns that function to shut down critical thinking, people who are running rebel consciousness um, and don't like being told what to do, don't like um, to play the hierarchy game, right? Absolutely. The the founders settled this question on our behalf and they did so correctly. Okay. So can you guess what I'm honing in on? Brett is talking about the founding fathers did something correctly, right? It wasn't they made a wise decision. They indicated a lot of foresight in doing X, Y, Z. He says they did so correctly. So this is really the crux. By saying that the founding fathers did something correctly, Brett is inferring, not directly, but through the coding embedded in right, wrong, good, bad, correct, incorrect, that he has some sort of higher authority, right? So if you're watching me on the screen, you'll, you know, you know, you see my hand up here. If you're not watching me on the screen, I'm making my own universal visual symbol for hierarchy, which is where someone is alleging to be above others. When someone is alleging to have higher status than other people. When Brett says the founding fathers did something correctly, he's not saying they did something that jives with me and my perspectives, or I really admire that he is claiming some sort of objective superior um authority status that gives him the authority to determine what is right what is wrong what is correct what is incorrect right so again i'm giving brett the benefit of the doubt and assuming that this is an unconscious speech pattern that he doesn't realize comes off as arrogance, comes off as though he knows best, as though he is the God of everyone. Um, but the, the programming functions just the same. So it really doesn't matter if it's a deliberate attempt to program his audience to see him as a higher, more superior authority figure. 
the effects are the same. The coding in that languaging functions to program people to see him as a higher status authority. This would work well if we were living in some sort of communist re regime um, at which Brett was placed at the top, or if we were existing in some sort of like authoritarian environment. However, we are evolving out of hierarchy right now. And um, we are evolving out of the really outdated structure that has us placing quote unquote authority figures on pedestals where they tell us what to think, what to believe, um, what God wants us to do to absolve us of our quote unquote sins, another fallacy, right? Like we are moving out of that into a more equal and empowered, what I call betterarchical way of engaging and structuring society. So for someone like me, who is, a, you know, a very autonomous, self-empowered person, when I hear someone framing things as our forefathers did it correctly, my automatic response is, who the fuck are you to decide what our forefathers did is correct or incorrect? All any of us can do as individuals who see things completely subjectively is decipher that seems like a wise move that really resonated with me i'm really glad that our forefathers did this we can you know claim our own appreciation or claim how we can see that this was of highest service to the whole but to claim right wrong good bad right going back to those polarity constructs that we were talking about in the beginning Polarity constructs as a whole function to divide, to shut down the amygdala, to inspire a flood of fight or flight cortisol, excuse me, fight or flight hormones, including cortisol, to flood our buds, bloodstreams and to armor us up, to defend, because we have someone claiming that he has authority over the rest of us. Those of us who are attuned to such things are gonna armor up and be like, go fuck yourself. You, you do not have the authority to determine right, wrong, good, bad. This is the inherent downfall of all polarities, regardless of how well-meaning they are, regardless of how ignorant we are to how they are functioning to program, this is how they are programming us. So once again, why is for us to sidestep the polarities, to sidestep the inference that we know best and instead be a lot more nuanced and specific in our descriptions? Again, our forefathers made a really wise choice. Our forefathers showed a lot of foresight in thought when they deter you know, decided X, Y, Z. I'm really happy our forefathers did X, Y, Z. Not placing ourselves above the rest of society and our forefathers by judging what they do as empirically correct or incorrect. Now, I have one other example of this, which is a different Weinstein, which leads me to believe that it Again, I'm not gonna get into the story. Who knows why? I don't know if, if it's done deliberately. All I know is that these people have very large, large audiences. And this is how this particular speech pattern is programming their audiences to put them on these pedestals as higher, better, more superior, more intelligent in authorities. So, okay, so, I found this one from Eric, and honestly, you can listen to any conversation with Brett Weinstein or Eric Weinstein, and you will very quickly see these speech patterns emerging. Um, I'm not sure why it took me so long to hone on, on exactly what it was, and all in divine timing now is the right time. So sharing my screen once again. 
here we have Eric Weinstein demonstrating a different flavor of the same deleterious authoritarian languaging pattern. Really good at this. We're really incredible. And we have to watch ourselves. And I think that that's the right ethos is that we need to worry about ourselves. But Okay, in just that one soundbite, there are so many pieces I could I could jump on. Specifically, we need to worry about ourselves and how the word worry is so misused instead of like focus, be mindful, um, focus our attention on, right? If we look at the etymology of worry, worry actually means to choke. We don't want to worry about anything. I see this on the news all the time when like a talking head is interviewing a so-called authority figure and they will say, so should we be worried? How worried should we be? It's like, a, why are you asking the question? You're asking someone else to dictate to us what our emotional state should be, right? Like that is an insane bit of programming and propaganda in that construct, right? Like, because then those people are telling the audience, okay, this authority figure is telling you, you should take on this emotional state versus like, um, you know, how intense is this crisis? How much time do we have? What is the time frame? How long can we expect this to go on? What, uh, how many people can we expect to be affected by this? What areas will be affected, right? Again, being more exacting with our language instead of this lazy means of inviting a so-called authority figure to dictate to us what our emotional state should be. And I realize this is a departure from the clip I just played, but I heard the worry um, and that came to mind as something that I didn't want to let slide. But what Eric did say, I'm looking at my notes, is I think that's the right ethos. Okay, so granted, he did soften it with I think, um, which I'll give him a little bit of credit for. But again, that's the right ethos versus that's an ethos that resonates with me. That's a, an ethos that I think we would all be well served by. That's an ethos that I think would really serve the healing of our populace, right? F feel into the difference. Versus I think that's the right ethos. Again, right, wrong, good, bad. We have Eric once again um, using language that infers that he has some sort of superior authority that allows him um, to objectively dictate what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad. So again, these polarities, you know, and it doesn't even matter if we're not conscious of these languaging patterns and how they're functioning. Case in point, Eric, I have personally been extremely triggered by Eric and Brett for years and years and years. And I am someone who studies the energetic frequencies of language and how they program us all day, every day. That is my realm of expertise. And yet it took me this long to figure out that is what the programming was doing. So even, you know, someone like me who is attuned to these languaging codes, but in this instance wasn't, I was still having the same reaction. The coding was still having the same effect, which is I feel like these men are attempting to impose my upon my sovereign agency and are attempting to claim some sort of a superior authority that allows them to disseminate um, judgments on objective reality that the rest of humanity is expected to absorb and sign on to. That does not work for me as an autonomous, free-thinking individual. So again, it doesn't matter if we know 
anything about these codes, it's still having the same effect, which for me was shutdown, um, contraction. Like I, I kept getting the feeling these guys are so arrogant. And it's weird because arrogance is similar to um, pretension, right? It's a judgment that the receiver makes on someone. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hard pressed to find instances of people walking through the world. I'm sure they exist. Let me let me let me back myself out of that corner. Um, but it's a judgment with which I often wrestle, right? I'm thinking in my mind of an, an episode of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee and Jerry Seinfeld coming across a man wearing orange color therapy glasses, um, which, you know, full full disclosure, I have orange color therapy glasses. I like to wear color therapy glasses. And um, I wear them for myself, right? Because they change my lens of perception. If my mood is a little bit low, an orange lens or a pink lens is gonna make the world prettier. I do it for myself, right? I don't do it to get a reaction from anyone else. It's simply for me. But when Jerry was walking away from that um, encounter with the man wearing the orange glasses, he said, aren't those glasses a bit pretentious? And it's like, no, something about how that man was expressing itself um, triggered an area where Jerry feels uncomfortable, where he hasn't yet expanded his comfort zone to hold space for someone to be a really cool, humble person and also wear orange therapy glasses. So th that's what I was coming to, where it's like a lot of times we'll use the, the judgments of pretentious or arrogant as though these are objective descriptors of reality, when in fact they're just judgments indicating our own um, unhealed trauma or unexamined contractions, right? So same with Brett and Eric, where like I kept having this reaction for years and years and years, and I finally honed in, honed in on it. Oh, it's this speech pattern. It's this um, this smearing of their assessments of right, wrong, good, bad, correct, incorrect onto objective reality as though they have that sort of authority to judge objective reality as correct, incorrect, right, wrong, good, bad. So again, Brett, Eric, I'm gonna give you both the benefit of the doubt. Um, and so I offer these languaging reflections from a place of purity and well-intended support that I feel like you both would be well-served by starting to examine these, this very specific languaging pattern and how it is functioning to shut down. I'm, I know I'm not the only one who has had this reaction and, and jumped to these conclusions about you both. Um, if this is a well-intended unconscious languaging pattern, then I really suggest switching it up. Um, if it's something different, it's really none of my business. I'm offering this free of charge and I'm offering this to everyone who's, who's tracking to note how, um, the peppering of these types of polarity distinctions in our lexicon, what the effect has on other people, which is shut down, contraction, do not fucking tell me what to do, and who the fuck are you to think that you have the right to judge objective reality as good or bad. This does it for my words are matter. Thanks for paying attention. Thanks for remembering that every word matters, that you are omniscopic amazingness. Have a rocking day. Mwah. Thanks so much for tuning in to this latest episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. I am reminding slash 
thanking you to and for <laughs> clicking that subscribe button, for liking, for sharing, for commenting, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As you are receiving any value from my podcast, as you dig it, as you listen regularly, consider supporting me on Patreon and or Locals, where for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half podcast interviews, as well as oodles of bonus content. Your support really goes a long way in supporting me as a journalist and an independent content creator navigate her way through a really crunchy time in terms of free speech. And as you are wanting to learn more about my work in the world, my books, my products, my quantum languaging, coaching, and consulting, you can find me at dannycats.com as well as quantumlanguaging.com. And if you're not down with a membership patronage platform and want to send me one-time donation, you can use the Bitcoin link if it actually appears on your podcast listening platform. You could also send me a one-time donation by way of PayPal at dannycats at pm.me or by way of Venmo where my username is Sadie Bloom. Again, your support means the world and makes a massive, massive difference when it comes to continuing to share this work with the world. Thank you for sharing your sacred attention with me. Thank you for remembering that you are omniscopic amazingness and for having a rockin' day. See you next time, superstars.